Turn with me to Paul's letter, Colossians chapter 2. And we're looking at verses 15 to 17. I'm just taking a few verses. They're all part of the passage that we have been looking where Paul already gave a warning. And having outlined the doctrine, there is a warning, practical warning, application for us. And we are looking this evening, these verses. Let me read these verses in your hearing. Turn with me uh, in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 15, 15 to 17. We read here in God's words, and notice it's all linked to what has gone before from verse 14 and previous. Uh, we looked at the last uh, Lord's Day Sunday evening. Uh, and it says, and having, verse 15, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he, that is Christ, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat, that is food, or in drink, or in respect of an holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. Or the body of Christ. So now this is the text we are looking at this evening under the subject Triumph of the Cross. I've given the title to this message Triumph of the Cross. Now this word triumph notice speaks of uh, something's happened. When there's a time, it is a total victory. And in this triumph, notice the idea is the sense is that when this triumph is noticed, seen and declared openly, publicly, with that there is a sense of joy. <laughs> like a triumph announced with the trumpet. <laughs> victory. And that is... You may say, where is the triumph? We learn, look at in verse 15, right towards the end, where it says, He that is Christ made a show of them openly. This little phrase, a triumphing, this triumphing, Paul had in mind, is the triumph of the cross. It's the victory of the cross, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And notice this is an open victory. It's an open show. And we are going to pay closer attention to as to what we are reading here in these verses. So Christ no, it has set us free. <laughs> we have been redeemed. Redeemed, set free from the bondage of sin and Satan. And notice it's the, because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And the price that is paid is his most precious blood. Now before taking more time here and uh, my introduction, just to notice we look into that straight into these verses. 
is that as we look upon in this triumph of the cross, as is our subject for this evening, there are two points I want to bring before you. Point number one, Christ destroyed the powers of darkness. And this is we're going to learn under our point number one as we pay our attention to verse 15. And then the second point, Christ made an open show of his victory. And this is we're going to learn. And then practically, what does it mean for us? The application. And then we will learn what Paul has to teach us here. So let us start with our point number one. Is that here in our text, if we turn in our Bibles, here in that verse uh, 15, and having spoiled, notice this spoiled, literally uh, the word is having stripped off, <laughs> and this is a, a stripping of the whole. <laughs> notice Paul has already used the language when it comes to in Christians life cutting off the sin uh, and notice of flesh using the picture of circumcision, the stripping off of that uh, notice skin and stripping off and putting off. <laughs> and now using that language, he still has that sort of uh, imagery. And as he comes now to the triumph of the cross, now Paul uses that phrase and that picture again. And now it's the stripping off. <laughs> Notice, uh, and that is total. And it's total. It's the total victory. And now he wants us to look at the stripping off. No, it's, it's a spoiling. The spoiling may not give you, it's like the idea you may think it's spoiled. Well, it's, a, it's a stripped off or we could say destroyed. <laughs> Christ has destroyed <laughs> uh, the powers. Notice the powers and principalities. Notice that he speaks of here. But this is really for us to remember, and it takes us back. Uh, this also, this is very much linked here. In fact, every scripture, there's always the all that's linked one way or another. Uh, it, there's a harmony. There is a beauty when we think of God's holy word that it links us back to the first gospel promise. The promise, the seed of the woman, what he was to do, he was to crush the head of Satan. And this is, uh, uh, Christ was to do it. Christ did this. This total stripping of this language is a language of war. It's the military language and of the olden times. Remember, there was so much of blood. Blood, it used to be wars uh, of old-fashioned with swords and spears. And there'd be a lot of blood. People don't want to think of the blood and look at the blood. But then it would bring us now, as we pay closer attention to what powers that Paul spoke of here, that Christ is stripped off and that uh, he had total triumph. Not a little triumph. It's the total victory. That's why this word triumph covers that it's the victory that notice with that sense of joy that Christ has uh, 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 achieved, accomplished, and having destroyed that uh, power 
are in the principalities here. Now, anyone who knows his Bible and the doctrine of Christ's atonement knows very well that Christ Jesus did not come into this world. He never picked up a sword. This is, going, uh, this is not the Christian faith. It is think of the other religions uh, fighting wars with swords and spears. But Christ never picked up a sword. He never did it. And uh, even though people wanted to make him a king, he was not there to be the political king. But this war was in view as he was to go to the cross of Calvary. Now here, powers and principalities are nothing to do with the Romans. Because Christ did not come to destroy uh, Roman authorities and his enemies. Notice, uh, even the religious Jews, those who hated him, and it is all God's plan. It was all God's wonderful uh, plan that even those who his enemies would be used for God's own glory. And notice that if he had destroyed those who came to arrest him, there would be no salvation for us. We would have no salvation from sin. We would still be dead in our sins. So this is nothing to do with powers and principalities, anything to, anything to do with any political power. Jesus had no struggle, no fight. And that wasn't what Paul was thinking of when he wrote these things here uh, in verse 15. And having spoiled or stripped off or uh, uh, destroyed principalities and powers. But what principalities and powers? Well, it's principalities and powers of darkness. Darkness of sin and Satan. And this, we know that that is what is again turned with me in Ephesians. That is a, a sister letter, like Paul wrote, four prison letters. And Ephesians is one of those. And notice, turn with me in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, where Paul wrote, For we wrestle. Notice in the context of Christians' warfare. Is that, thank God, we are fighting this warfare from the victory standpoint. So the battle is won. Christ has already uh, triumphed. And this uh, total triumph. Uh, and the trumpet has been announced. The victory that Christ has won. And notice now Christians have to fight this battle. But thank God it is from that standpoint. But there is a comfort for us. As we think of, notice Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, For we wrestle, not against flesh and blood, but against, note the phrase, principalities, against powers. Notice these are principalities and powers, and notice this is against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. And this verse and other scriptures shed light. We come back to Colossians again, to our text. So thus, we have no iota of doubt that Paul and Christ, and this is not Christian faith, nothing to do with any, uh, notice, uh, uh, fight with any earthly powers, but it is all the spiritual darkness, the powers of darkness. And 
Now, as we think of Christ's kingdom and Christ the king, it is in John's gospel that we learn uh, where the victory took place. Christ the king. Christ the king. We want to know the theology of the kingdom uh, of God and the Christ the king. We have to fix our eyes upon the cross. <laughs> so that's where the battle was won. That's where Christ triumphed. <laughs> and the tri triumph did not take place at what we know in the Bible, Christ's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We all know it's often called the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But that's not where it took place coming into Jerusalem. It, this triumph ultimately took place just outside the gate of Jerusalem on the cross of Calvary. And that was the wonderful promise. Notice God made with Abraham that he will provide. The lamb will be provided. And notice uh, and the, one of the mountains of Moriah, as is often said, that around the mountains suggests that where Abraham would have done 2,000 years before, uh, the, the lamb, now Christ the lamb. And thus the lamb also is the king, the shepherd, our savior. And that's where that triumph of the cross took place. And that's where Satan was defeated. His head crushed, destroyed. Of course, Satan still has power. But in reality, the victory is now done. The battle is won. And Christ is now uh, rules over all. And this is, uh, this is what Paul had in mind for the church, for us Christians to know and focus upon this triumph of the cross. Now this leads me to my second point. We move to this second point and we want to look at this. And Christ made an open show. Look at the text here. It says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he, Christ, made a show of them openly. He made a show openly. Notice, it was an open show. It was an open and bold show of his victory, what he had done on the cross of Calvary. Well, when you think of in the world, many people talk about show. Well, the idea is, often people will say, well, there's an open show. There's a show. People have of either they are showing off their machinery, the purpose of an open show, or display is they want to show something. But Christ's open with not to show off, but in reality is to declare. It was openly declared, openly to the world, that this victory is wrought. And notice the sixth word of the cross that often Christians have said, it is finished. The, notice the sayings of the cross, the sixth word, it is finished. No more we have to offer uh, sacrifices uh, as they were all shadow. All the Mosaic law, the ceremonial law, uh, that was just a shadow. And notice that uh, as we look back, yes, the Lord designed it to teach us 
for that uh, the real to come the blessings uh, through the Christ and the gospel Christ himself the substance the real substance was to come and that was in the waiting and people of the old testament they were looking forward even though they embraced Christ by faith and yet the reality had not realized fully Christ had not yet come <laughs> He had not still shed his blood uh, as the Lamb of God on the cross of Calvary. Had he not reached to the Calvary, there'd be no triumph. There'd be no victory. We would be no different from other nations and other religions of the world. And still running around and men wanting to reach to God by his works of self-righteousness. And Christ brought that to an end. That was a cutting off. <laughs> Sin put to an end. Satan's power put to an end. And this was the triumph of the cross. And that's why the previous verses also are so encouraging, refreshing, heartwarming. In verse 14, look at in your Bible. You've already said Christ blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. And took it out of the way. Nailing it to his cross. And then he goes on. And having spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly. Now Christ made an open show. And this was an open show of his victory. Triumph of the cross. Illustration would be helpful as you study here. Because those of you who know. In the time of the Romans, first century AD, and in the olden time, and especially in the time of our Savior, when he was an earth, public earthly ministry, that there were, uh, notice in those battles, uh, there would be when a Roman army captain would have a battle, and then the victory would be total, and there would be a lot of stripping off. You remember with all that the enemies uh, when defeated. Then that when the captain would return. And uh, there would be jubilation. So as he would return his victory announced. Uh, and the people will be there. And then also that those he would set free. And those some would with him would be brought. <laughs> and that's the picture here. And that's the and spiritually speaking. Christ Jesus, who is the captain of our salvation. Notice as he won victory, this victory announced with joy. And it's the triumph of the cross. And that's the picture Paul uh, had in mind when he is saying, made an open show. <laughs> and it's a wonderful comfort to a Christian and to all true Christian believers. And this is now, as we look at let us now further see the application. I want to come to there are some practical things we need to understand as we look at here. Uh, what does it mean for us now? What does it mean for a Christian believers? And there, well, I'm going to there. We need to turn to this. Therefore, <laughs> this very important in your Bibles. Look at verse 16. It says, let no man. Therefore, now this therefore is drawing conclusion and the consequence in the light of what has already happened. 
He's outlined the doctrine of the cross, the triumph of the cross. But what does that mean for a Christian believer in his or her life? Well, many things can be said, but I'm going to take two things here. Is that what it means practically? We take first verse 16, and then we will say, what does it practically mean for us in verse 17? So, well, first thing for us, what does it mean? He says here, look at it's a practical application. It says in verse 16, let no man therefore judge you. Judge you in the sense is to accuse you to condemn. That's the idea behind this judge. Let no man therefore judge you is to accuse you to condemn for some of the things that he mentions they were of the Mosaic law of the, the people did in the Old Testament and then in verse further he says a shadow and he says because there were those who were saying that well in order for you to be Christian to have the full gospel you need to still do some of the things of the ceremonial law they were what is called Judaizers they were those who from the Jewish background and they were always coming in that condemning sense and Christians freedom, true freedom in Christ. This was attack <laughs> and the pure gospel that the gospel that is pure of all of God's grace. And they would be saying, well, you need to do and look at the list here uh, and some of the things that are mentioned. Let verse 16, let no man therefore judge you. Uh, accuse you to condemn in what in meat food or drink or this well time will not spare us just to look at every aspect but what it was saying there were those uh, areas of food special dietary notice uh, restriction that as a Christian you cannot eat this you cannot have this well in the Old Testament we all know uh, you know your Old Testament that there were restrictions and they were not uh, uh, allowed to, well, as one of the young lady was mentioning, no way you would hear a pig near the temple. <laughs> they were not eat pork. <laughs> so, well, these things, and there were uh, clean and unclean things. And if uh, a certain uh, food you had to eat in a way you could eat or you could not eat, so there were a lot of restriction. And then when you come to Romans chapter 14 and 15, there are two chapters, how to maintain the Christian unity among the brethren. Uh, you study Romans chapter 14, and there is the weaker brethren. And then uh, weaker, not the faith, Christian faith is not weak. But there are those who said, we want to be just vegetarian. We don't want to eat meat. <laughs> well, you're going to face these things today. And even among Christians, sometimes they could be saying, well, I, oh, I don't want to see animal killed. <laughs> and this particular, this is, I just want to be vegetarian. Well, this is some of the religions of the world promoting their ideologies and things. So, but God's kingdom, notice, is not eating and drinking. And look at in Romans, turn to that Romans chapter 14, chapter 14 and verse 17. It says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Notice, meat is food and drink, but righteousness, 
righteousness of God righteousness provided for us Christ righteousness and and peace and joy in the holy ghost and that then is said to the chapter 15 when then notice that those who are said they were strong uh, the brethren they were also uh, to be considerate and not to use their freedom to stumble a christian brother or sister and yet notice it there is no longer if we were to follow all the code imagine all the dietary code or even still the jews call it kosher you only go to that shop <laughs> where you have all everything kosher and you cannot touch and go to another shop why because it's not kosher <laughs> well the lord has delivered us from this <laughs> this is all the part of the mosaic law and there were many restrictions and my friends if you and i were there you could say what a laborious list <laughs> oh when there were people in the old testament christian believe looking forward oh when will be the day that this will come to an end all the blood sacrifices will come to an end no more to be offered because that's why when jesus said the sixth word this comes as a heart warming refreshing to our soul every time we say it is finished <laughs> no more to be worrying and no one should accuse you or condemn you this is what paul's concern was for the church no one should disturb your peace because uh, or accuse you to condemn because that is satan's work he is the accuser of the brethren and as we learned in genesis chapter 3 accusation no it stopped christ has stopped <laughs> and whoever is in christ romans chapter 8 verse 1 therefore there is no now no condemnation to those who are in christ and that is a wonderful comfort because christ's atonement has wrought that victory for christian for all the christian so they can lift up their heads and say praise be to god oh it is finished <laughs> that i don't need to worry and worry but how good i am we come to christ the lord just as i am <laughs> nothing we bring in our hands nothing like ruth <laughs> notice empty poor ah but simply to the cross of christ we cling <laughs> we cling to christ and this is the triumph of the cross and this is a practical application one of the thing then further paul then he keeps repeating encouraging let no man beguile you deceive you and he says no one should accuse you to condemn it's full stop no more <laughs> and i mean the list there is number of things look at i must uh, give you the balance in case we misunderstand what uh, there in the, we come back to our text in colossians chapter notice 2 there are some things which we need to think is a, in case we misunderstand in respect of an holy day holy day uh, is nothing because uh, uh, there's no actual day is holy because uh, there were among those who were still following mosaic law or want to do that things of the law they would say well there are certain days they are special and they would also uh, uh, on other days they would not have that uh, joy of the lord almost there is that this particular day but no 
Every day is the Lord's day. Every moment is uh, is for the Lord. It is in that uh, for, uh, that Christian lives this life, freedom uh, from sin that Christ has given. We go on rejoicing every day, every day. But I'm going to say something on the Lord's day because this is nothing to do with that. The Lord's day, because there were this, uh, there are particular times, and still there are those. If you notice. Uh, some of the Greek Orthodox women, I haven't told you here, forgive me if I repeat that illustration, that when we were uh, in uh, near Palmer's Green, that um, we often found that there were uh, uh, women from the Greek Orthodox background, uh, they would go on wearing black, especially widows, throughout the time, and often we'd see them wearing black dress, and that, uh, and they would only have this Greek phrase uh, on that around. So we use the expression Easter time. So they would only say around that time uh, the Greek phrase Christos Anasti. What's uh, uh, what in Greek it means? Uh, Christ is risen. And the rest of the year they don't say that. <laughs> and in our Christian witness. Whenever I used to see the Greek Orthodox people, I would deliberately say to them, other than the Easter time. <laughs> and they look at me, I'll see them during another day, and I used to say to them, Christos Anasti. And they used to look at me, and they used to sum in their uh, deriding or despising, they used to say to me, is there something wrong? And I said, no, nothing wrong here. No, I, I said, let me show Christ is risen from the dead. The, the efficacy of the resurrection of Christ is Christian believers, those who believe, can say every day, rejoice. Christ is risen indeed. And praise be to his name. And I said, I'm happy to tell you, Christ is, I don't need to wait, wait another year and to say around that Easter time, Christ is risen. Christos anasti. Now then some would see the point. They'll see, ah, I see the point, what you're trying to say. <laughs> so this is my friend, it's in a similar way. And that Mosaic law and the Jewish ceremony, certain days you can do certain things. And then of course, there, all that was happening. Well, if you came in contact with a dead person, you have to go through some ritual, uh, ceremonial cleaning. You couldn't be uh, with people of God. You have to be locked up for a few days. <laughs> so this is just done away. <laughs> it was, uh, and this is why uh, uh, Paul could say, and this should be our rejoicing here, that Christ has set us free <laughs> from the bondage. And also the condemning, the condemning power. Yes, the law of God uh, is not, uh, uh, yes, uh, is not cur curse. The law is good. Uh, think about the Ten Commandments. The law is spiritual. The law is good. But because we have broken God's law, His commandments, then that held people as that, that condemning power held them captive. And they lived with their guilty conscience. And then uh, temporarily, once a year, the sacrifices, especially on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, they would have that. And then, it was temporary, shadow, still, uh, it, it was not done away. 
Because it's all in waiting. When would be the time? Because the, those blood sacrifices of animals could not cleanse the guilty conscience. It's only the power. The power is in Christ and in his blood. That's why, my dear friends, oh, with excitement, with joy, we could see the triumph of the cross here. And that uh, there is that uh, in these words come as a glowing for us as Christians, the triumph. And he says, verse 16, Let no man, therefore, judge or accuse you to condemn. You end that these dietary foods or in drink or respect of holy days or of the new moon or they're looking at people still in some religions they follow the moon we don't follow the moon anymore we don't go out and look at the moon and then say when is going to be certain feast when is going to be certain celebration in other religions they still do and I'm not going to tell you which one because they have, have their certain festivals and they have to look for the moon and when the moon the cloud has uh, is covered the moon uh, people are worried and they're buying special binoculars and they're religious leaders they could see the moon and this is all the chaos but with us it's done away we're not relying and just following. So this is a wonderful refreshing to our hearts that uh, Christ is not uh, left at. This is done away. It not, and then, of course, the Sabbath days. Now, the Sabbath days, of course, we believe in what is called the Christian Sabbath. We don't follow. There were particular Sabbaths day, and they measure what time. There's particular seventh Sabbath, and then there will be forty-nine when there are Sabbaths. There be certain celebration, but we're not following that, isn't that? Christ has finished this. It's all that for us, those who are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But we do have what is called the Lord's Day, my dear friends. Still there are people called Seventh-day Adventists. They follow like the Jews. Saturday. We do not follow that. That's still under the law. Still under the Mosaic law. Because uh, uh, we notice have the Lord's Day. The day is replaced. So because of Jesus Christ. The one who was crucified for our sins. Was buried uh, in the grave. He rose on the third day. And the gospel accounts have the phrase, the first day of the week. <laughs> and the first day of the week actually in our week is Sunday, what we call the Lord's Day. And that is why uh, Christians have been following, gathering together. And we have the principle of honor. We honor, we must respect. And this is the day special, Sunday special. We keep it separate. Uh, and uh, and this is uh, and that got nothing to do with this particular Sabbath that he Paul is writing. Well, dear friends, now I've said that this is, this is one practical thing for us in verse sixteen. Let no man therefore judge you in what in the things that he mentioned. And the second application is we are to see from verse seventeen because uh, that. Uh, these all things just were a shadow. By mentioning this, Paul wanted the church to know that all the things I've been mentioning before, he said they're just a shadow. A shadow. 
It, they were just like a dim, dim reality. They're just a, a very basic, elementary sketch. Not the substance has yet come. Christ is the. That's why in this verse he says, which are the things that is already meant, a, a shadow of the things to come. Things, well, things of the, the gospel, all the blessings that are through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of God, and Christ, not it, the substance, the substance has gone. That's why this phrase here, but the body is, is not in the original, but the, it is provided here, but it's the body of Christ. What Paul had in mind, well, the body in the sense, the substance. Christ, the substance. And that's a wonderful encouragement for Christians, my dear friend. And this is also for us, as I draw towards the conclusion, these things, let me say that so much can be further said, but here is a wonderful comfort for us, that Christ has set us free. Notice, every true Christian believer is in the right sense I know I don't want to embarrass our brother who's got the surname Freeman, <laughs> like uh, here, Richard Freeman. Well, in a true sense, every true Christian believer, every true Christian believer is really, truly a free man, <laughs> a free woman, <laughs> a free man, a free woman, <laughs> no longer held captive. And that's what Paul's concern was for the church, my dear brethren. And his concern is still, God's word still speaks to us because still there are certain denominations, there are so many groups, they are still, they are holding captive a, a Christian. There are those uh, they're truly born again, they end up in certain groups. I'm giving you one or two mentioned uh, groups. That in some of the uh, denominations where the gospel is not preached, the pure gospel of God's grace is not preached. What they say, what is called prosperity gospel. And there are people and some even Nigerian Christian brethren would tell me that when it comes to some would have what is called fasting. Like other religions, they'll say we got to have dry fasting. <laughs> and they keep their children Fasting all day, no drink. We got to have dry, it's like work righteousness. Christ has done away with that. We're no longer held captive. And this is Paul's concern that nobody should hold you captive because you've been set free. <laughs> There's a true freedom in Christ and because of the blood of Jesus Christ. There is the triumph of the cross. So nobody should take you, lead you back and make you captive. Christ, the stronger man. Yes, yeah, Satan was a strong man, but Christ is a stronger man. He spoiled uh, powers and principalities of darkness and of Satan. So the Christ, the stronger man, our savior. So nobody should put you back into that. Oh, you need to do this. Unless you do this, you're not good enough Christian. Now, of course, we must remember that we are free, truly free, but I have to explain to you something as a word of warning. That a true Christian believer and all true Christian believers, they are truly, truly, uh, they know this true freedom in Christ. 
But this freedom in Christ, my dear friends, we must remember. Christian is free from sin, but is not free to sin. <laughs> that we must underline. <laughs> There's freedom from sin, but we're not free to sin. <laughs> to do whatever I like. No, we live a life pleasing to Christ. We grow in holiness, dying to sin daily, mortification. As we know, in sanctification, so we grow in holiness, grow in grace, in the knowledge of our God and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and to Christ-like character. So Christian is not free to do whatever they like. So freedom from sin must be remembered because there are those who take uh, the Ten Commandments say, well, we don't need the Ten Commandments. Well, this is, a, we're free. No, that's not what God's word is teaching. When we are saved, the Lord writes his law, the Ten Commandments uh, on our heart. Once they were written before the tablets of stone. Because of Adam's sin corrupted. And now, when we have a new heart, even the young, young converts, young Christian in age, they say, oh, I love the law of the Lord. They say, I love it. I delight to do thy will, just as Christ did. And this is a wonderful, whether you are a young Christian in age or older one, they all love the law. They love the Ten Commandments, not just the letter of the law, but in the very spirit of it, Sermon on the Mount, as Christ expounded. Not just the letter, we go right to the heart of the spirit of it. Oh, may the Lord be gracious to you and to us that we would understand this But my friends, Christ has spoiled, stripped off. As I finish, I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. Now we have to do what is called the resisting. Resisting uh, that as Christians in our Christian life, that notice that we uh, are to remember casting all our cares, upon God and it says uh, and it's uh, in, uh, when you look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and it, is, it says verse 6 humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care upon him for he careth for you be sober be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And then he says, verse 9, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Well, there is a resisting Christians have to do. How are we to resist the devil? How are we to stand against his wiles and all his crafty tactics? Well, we do it by submitting. Submitting to Christ and to his word. And this is, my friends, is in the one Peter. The one word comes, submit. Be holy. And God says, it's a commandment because I am holy. But these are a Christian holiness practical holy living 
is a lot is all to do with the submission, submitting, surrendering. Just as Ruth had to submit, submit, just humbly submitting. And this is one, the way we resist the devil. And may God be gracious to you and to us. Amen.